Welcome to the Great Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Lanos. And today we have for you as our guest, Daniel Kirikov. He's the founder of Orbita.vc and originally also KRK Group. He grew his business beyond 200 employees, but he started off as a high school student who was getting looking for work and fixing computers before he even knew how to fix them, meaning he would find the work and then figure out what he needs to do about the work. And that's the running theme of this conversation is the ability to sell something first and then go off and actually prove that it works and building it out into something that's an actual business. And it's one of those things that you will realize as you listen to this conversation is probably the most effective way for you to move forward as a startup founder. If you as a startup founder have been worried about whether or not you're working on the right things, listening to this conversation here with Daniel is going to give you that perspective you've been looking for, that reminder you've been looking for. Don't wait. You don't need that logo. You don't need the other thing you're thinking of. You don't even need a whole rebrand to begin with. What you need, first of all, is to go out there and try selling that. And it should sell if it's a problem that's being solved. That much is true. And Daniel's story will show you how true that really is. Aside from the fact that he went from doing IT to starting a company and getting over 200 employees, he also then stepped into the venture capital world and shares his own insights on the types of projects that he decides to fund and why he decides to fund them and what he's learned from those projects and how that informs his decisions about what projects to fund next. So this is truly one of those conversations you don't want to miss. Daniel, it is a pleasure, for real, to be able to speak with you. If I'm not mistaken, you're all the way in Luxembourg, right? Yes, right now in Luxembourg. I'm sitting in the house of startups that made from the government of Luxembourg. Yeah. yeah, and I'm all the way in Los Angeles. I've never left the country. It's a little bit embarrassing, I know, but I plan to do it soon. Uh, but for me, it's just always awesome knowing how much is happening everywhere else because people always, when they think startups, they're always focused on, you know, just Silicon Valley. But there's a lot of cool stuff happening out there uh, in, in the world. And so for for me, one of the places I'd love to start is I wonder, are there any like pivotal moments like early on, maybe when you were in college, like at the Moscow State University, that sort of maybe influence your entrepreneurial journey? Or does this go even further back where you wanted to be part of the startup world? Actually, uh, I start my entrepreneurship experience like the, the, the way it's, it was too early. When I started, I started from the school and the, the first project was in a school. And uh, there was not because I decided to do it, but because it, it, it's quite difficult to find normal job in that way. I, I grew up in, uh, in in Moscow and it was quite difficult to find a job in this age as I had no experience, nothing. I just accept everything, every like decision or solution I could take from the market uh, to work with. And the, the first job was repairing the uh computers in uh, pharmacies and uh, right after and, and it was it was pretty fun because I, I right right after the school I was going to different pharmacies around the city and just repairing a computer over there and I started without knowing how to repair the computer it is, it's it's pretty fun yeah and uh, oh. the, yeah and uh, afterwards like uh, the the first project was when I was in high school and uh, it was 
pretty conservative, actually. Uh, we've done a monitoring of commercial vehicles. It was it was 2008, 2007, uh, something like this, when uh, there was a special system that you put inside the car and after you can track uh, like all the movements, uh, all everything that the car do, especially the constructions and uh, I don't know the taxis before there was no uh, Uber or something like this, and the owners they track with the, all of the special GPS trackers. So and this was yeah. in high school. Yes, it was in high school, and actually I started to work in this company. In beginning, I work in this company, and the the owner there was two owners, and one of the owner gave me a chance to show my manager skills, and he gave me a really small amount of the money and said, like, you'll have no salary, nothing, but you take this money if you do something, like we'll share it. If if you like. You have no success. You have no money, and uh, I start with that experience. I develop a lot. I like. I start from calling. I don't know. There was yellow page. I like first few weeks. I just call 40, 50 calls per day, trying to make a cold sales. Uh, and it was like the first course was terrible, but time to time I improved myself. Yeah, and after when I become 18 years old, I launched my own company, the first one, and it was the same for monitoring of commercial vehicles. I continued that experience, and after one year, I sold it to to one of the biggest players on the market. Yeah, uh, then uh, during 12 years, I developed my own uh, consulting businesses, like it was mainly a group of different consulting businesses. We do everything from communication management till the asset management for virtue, uh, venture portfolios. And we had offices uh, all around the world, in USA, in Asia, in, in Russia, uh, in Europe, in Luxembourg as well. And uh, yeah, we have more than 200 employees working in-house. So it was quite quite big. And right before the COVID, uh, I actually started to sell in it. And uh, uh, like during the... Uh, I think the, the last deal was somewhere in 2019. And uh, in 2020, I finally moved to the Luxembourg and I already sold the major part of the business. And after the COVID started pushing hardly and actually it was a good decision to make it before. Yeah. And uh, when I moved to the Luxembourg, we started actually our uh, venture builder with my partner. I worked before like seven years or so. I helped him develop his own company. He was from, he had one of the biggest network of uh, uh, table games in Europe, uh, you know, different table games he produced, create and sell. And uh, we create the venture builder. So, yeah. Okay. And the, the, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, actually, it was quite, kind of uh, always say yes. I, I think there was a film called Yes Man or something like this with yeah, Jim yeah. Carrey. Love and it, it was really <laughs> philosophy of myself, like, like, just it's better to start to do something never say no and uh, do but keep your words and uh, it's quite difficult but in the early philosophy it was like this first of all i love how early you started doing sales uh, it's one of probably the most important skill anyone in the startup world is going to have to have and the fact that you started it early and that you weren't turned off by how 
hard and embarrassing it might have been at first when it wasn't going well because no one's first calls went well i remember my first calls <laughs> they're not great so so i i have a lot of respect for the fact that that was such a early part of your journey and 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 i'm very grateful that you also opened up sort of about the overall broad strokes of like where your journey really started and i kind of wanted to go into sort of the journey between because we talked about the it stuff that you were doing right where you were helping people with computers but you didn't really go specifically into like what happened when you went into the KRK? If, if the KRK is one of your first companies, that's actually the KRK was the group of the company, and there was different brands inside. So KRK, it's my family name is Kirikov, and KRK ah. is, is it? Okay. And, uh, and in different time periods, it was it had different names. It was VVQ, it was Kirikov Group, it was KRK. So, like in different time periods, and we had different brands inside regarding each agencies that we have in each part of the world. And we were there, so it's quite. Uh, this one was big, uh, pretty big. I mean, it's still boutique consulting, but uh, like to have on that area having like two hundred. Uh, employees in some area was number one on the local market. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's insane. And, see, and so that's like a huge shift, right? Because you went from doing, you know, these things, making phone call sales to you just suddenly exploded into entrepreneurship. That transition had to, what, what would you say was the hardest thing about moving from, okay, I think I'm doing this and maybe I'll make some money, like you said, uh, to whoa, I'm full-blown. Now I have 200 employees. What was that experience like when actually, you realized? Actually, we have more than 200. Yeah, actually, it goes to the pretty straightforward. I mean, uh, we started from the, uh, like, in the beginning, it was just marketing agency. On that age, nobody understands what it mean. They like digital marketing, all of that stuff. It was pretty easy to work on that market. And uh, uh, because I don't understand as well. And I just try to do something. And I start to build the relation with the clients. And after clients come to me and asking, like, can you help with this too? Because we already build the trust between each other. And they asking me, can you help with this too? And we started a different agency. Like uh, it started from the same clients we had on, on the marketing agency, and uh, we continue with different service. Like the the second one, I don't remember. I think uh, communication, working with the PR stuff, and all of that way. So it's pretty connected between each other. And after they come to me and said, "Okay, look." We invest some money over there. Can you check like what we can do with it? Uh, as you have different technical expertise, and so can you check? I can't like I come there. I see the project. I understand what's needed to to like how to rebuild this portfolio of the money that they invest, and just give them some advice. And they said, "Oh, I would like to pay and continue to work with it." That's how the like the investment uh, consulting starting to work. So yeah, and there was okay we. We're starting to build different system inside for managing the the process. I'm I'm a pretty geek, uh, like uh, processes. Uh, <laughs> yes, about everything to make it fully automated of all the process to keep everything to have uh, like all information collected inside the company to have a knowledge base and all the stuff. And that age, there was no system like Notion or something like this that can that you can use. And I hired the programmers who can help me develop. Right after that, like we start to to give this program also for our uh, for our clients to show them how we're done. They said, "Oh, we'd like to implement it as well." 
And that's how, for example, IT outsourcing for us, it started to work as well. Like we, we, we start from something small that we sold to the clients. And uh, right after we start receiving new clients, I think for, for the whole, uh, like for 12 years, I never run any ads uh, like for selling the services that we have wow. only. Uh, only like the viral marketing, all that stuff that people just came from uh, our existing clients, or they rec- somebody recommend us. And uh, still, re- right now, for a few years, I sold the company and still receiving people who come to me and asking for some help. Uh, yeah, so uh, some some of my uh, employees they go to work to different companies and they continue to come back to me, maybe <laughs> work somehow and uh, so on. So number one, it sounds like you did a good job with your hiring too, because they sound pretty entrepreneurial, a lot just like you. So there was probably a really strong cultural fit. And that's also an interesting thing that uh, not all CEOs or people who found companies always get right. They don't always have the best relationships like you, where they're lucky enough to still have referrals from their from their uh, former employees, even after they leave. So my question to you is, what would you say has been the best decision you've made so far in your entrepreneurial journey? Uh, or looking back, what was probably something you would have done differently? Either way is okay. Uh, I had an enormous amount of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the mistakes that maybe I'd like to change afterwards is I passed lots of economic crisis and uh, lots of really bad stuff and that way sometimes you make a bad decision uh the best that i've done uh your full right is a team i invest a lot and uh, in the beginning like when the company is less than 50 people working over there uh for me the each team member was like family members and you like well, all his family, what's his problem? I tried to help with everything. And we was really, we we're not working from like from the morning till evening and uh, like Monday, Friday. We work always where all of us thinking, was thinking how to, how to build, what to do, like how to help the client and so on and so forth. So uh, the best decision I had, like, from the whole experiences was regarding the teams that I have, the partners, the teams, and uh, something regarding the reputation that we develop. And uh, I've I lost enormous amount of money just to keep the reputation. Time to time, you had the bad clients like who pushing you and so on and so forth. I always just give back all the money and said, wow. "Okay, you're satisfied. Bye. Thank you." But. Uh, like if I promise something and somehow even 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 if our side is right, I try to keep everything clear for both sides and uh, yeah to keep the reputation. Uh, it, it was finally like in the moment, it was money lost time to time when you spend money for this. But in long term, it was the be- it was the best investment I had uh, for the reputation and it continued to work. Now, uh, like there is. Lots of clients uh, I worked before, and now they are like investors in our project now, and they don't even need any presentation from us now, just because they trust me. And uh, the we we uh, when we try we, we was trying to find the investment for 
venture builder when we was just trying to start it with my partner we collect the investment in less than one and a half week and uh, actually we choose from different investors who propose us we didn't even had a, a pitch deck for them or anything else we was just discussing they said no matter what we'll give you money that, that's the reputation i talk about so it's Whoa. kind of net reputation and th this is the best investment and then uh, the, regarding these things that maybe I will change, I think that um, maybe I was time to time to to push it for for the employment. I, I pushed too much and I wanted too much and maybe I wanted too much from the people who couldn't achieve this and uh, uh, maybe that's that was the bad things and maybe I would like to change. I was too young to understand this and uh, uh, I was like we just need to move forward 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 and uh, I don't look around uh, like maybe it's, it harms somebody and I push them too much uh, and that's that was something bad now I, I changed my mind a bit and uh, uh, I'm still like pretty straight in everything regarding work the project and uh, so on but uh, I bit changed my way of communicating with people <laughs> First of all, man, I, just the story you've shared regarding your reputation and that investment, that's just the most powerful story in branding I've ever heard. Just because of, you're right, not every company is willing to just refund a client no matter what happened just because they're like, we already did the work. But your commitment to that and how you stood behind that and how in the long term that paid off. That's a let this that would make this whole conversation worth it right there. But we're not oh, we're not done yet, right? We're not done yet. So for for me, I and I think honestly, this almost answers where I wanted to go with it because you might have something else here. But my next question for this whole series here would be: what is the most surprising thing that ever happened on your journey so far? Is there anything outside? Because to me, that would have been a big surprise had I just been going the motion and going, no, you know what? I think the right thing to do is return the money. You never know when something's going to happen. And then you you raise all the capital just like that when you're starting a new venture. That in itself is a surprise. Is there another surprise that took place in your journey as a startup founder in the startup world that maybe takes more surprise than that? Because if there isn't, and I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't that I have never heard of a story like that. So that in itself is amazing, but I just, I got to ask, cause it sounds like you've got some interesting yeah, I stories. <laughs> I, I had lots of stories like this and uh, I just know, I, I don't know what's interesting for you. I had some local stories when, for example, I don't know, we work with, uh, with a big bank and uh, uh, we had the, uh, big meeting uh, and uh, I had my, my team with me and uh, there was a team from the side of the bank and we were discussing like lots of stuff of how we can integrate to each other, how we can help them. So we was quite selling what we propose and we were discussing offer. And uh, before it was, uh, we discussed the deal for a few months, I think, and it was a pretty big one. And uh, there was an owner of the uh, of that bank, the main shareholder, and sitting on that meeting. And uh, during the meeting, uh, like we discussed and we proposed, we said that it's possible to do that way or that way or that way. And the owner, uh, he like 
he he started to speak in that he would like to to take advice for from his wife regarding that situation. Then his wife was not connected to the company. Actually, she doesn't work. It just was for fun because she, he said something like he was she was trying to to do something in that area and something like this. And uh, I, I said that. In this case, like during the meeting, I stand up and said, thank you very much. And uh, I think that maybe your wife will complete like the further task. And I believe that she can. But I think that we'll not participate in, in this deal. And I said to my team that we are leaving from that meeting. And everybody was like keeping so calm. And uh, like uh, they was super stressed because this is a big guy. And uh, it was... For for everybody, it was surprised that I it, I uh, like act like this. And in few hours, the owner of this bank he make a private call to me and said, "You are the guy I would like to work with," and uh, we keep the the contract with them for more than six years. And uh, in the end, it was one of the biggest clients we had, and we've done a lots of cool stuff all together. How did that change your sort of approach to entrepreneurship, seeing that? Because if your whole team was expecting you to sort of make a certain decision, but you knew for whatever reason, the most important thing to do here is maybe walk away. Maybe they're playing a mental game with me or something, whatever the case is. Did that change the way you saw the way you should make decisions? There is is pretty easy insight from my side that uh, if you believe on what you're doing, and uh, you think that it is the truth, this means that you feel power on your side. And uh, you should always respect this kind of the power and respect of the truth. And people, like, especially the people who are trying to sell something, they think that to sell, they need to lie. But uh, for me, it's totally opposite because I think the power always on side of the truth. If, if you have power to say the straight stuff to the people, they are not stupid. They understand this, and uh, they will respect afterwards for you. Maybe like for them, it's a bit harmful that you say something that like uh, they don't like in the moment. But after they have this kind of reflection, they will keep your side. Hundred percent, man. Thank you for sharing that surprise. That's a that's a great story, a powerful story, and a. And a important lesson in sales, which as we know is how your journey started. So for me, that's really interesting to see it come full circle. Now, uh, I think one interesting area we can get into, especially for the startup world, is can you sort of discuss some of your experiences, one or two, even just one is fine, uh, with funding a project and how you approach scaling them? Because you went from actually creating these companies yourself to then now investing in them. So what what does that look like on that other side now? Do you remember your experiences and use that as a judge? of how you can look at a company or do you leave that out the window because you treat everyone differently because that's how you approach your funding and investments? Actually, I had uh, three different experiences like uh, investing in a project. Right now, we're in the third one. And uh, the first one was I just starting to invest as a seed money, as a business angel to different startups. And uh, I thought that it will be enough to have uh, expertise on different uh, like marketing, IT stuff to analyze and score the projects. And uh, 
it was a bit true and no. Like uh, in the end, I invest some money and uh, still I call this Excel uh, Excel money because uh, I invest. There is a capital grow, but I never return it back and had my on my own bank account and. Uh, but in the venture market, it was still successful because uh, I didn't lose. I received the capital growth, but I, I, I can't touch down this money. And so it was the first experience. The second one was uh, I was trying to find some uh, skilled guys, like, for example, the technical founder who, who is crazy about his idea of what he's doing like he he know what he's doing he know he have great idea of the product he have a great uh, like understanding of how to do it but he don't understand how to sell it afterwards at all like uh, you don't have any commercial expertise and i was trying to integrate the my team that I have in consulting business for example, with this founder and invest, I give him money and I also invest as well the commercial expertise to diversify the investment and try to to uh, to develop the project faster and like, like so on, yeah. And uh, this batch was way more successful. I had a successful exits and I had a good relation with the founders because they they feel from my side not only the money but also they feel like the help with real operational process they had, and now the third uh, like experience we've built the venture studio and uh, what we're doing inside that we're trying as cheap and as fast as possible to test enormous amount of the ideas, uh, and only after decide of what to do because. One of the main problem of the market of the startups is that, uh, like you feel that you're doing the right stuff and you don't want to listen, uh, like the opinion of the market to you or you, uh, you, the study that you've done about the market. You try to lie to yourself that this idea is needed to the market. So we always try to start from uh, customer development, from like starting st- starting from the sales. Yeah, I mean, right straight, trying to sell something. And if people, uh, if you can sell on really straight way and people ready to buy your product or somehow, in this case, you can optimize everything afterwards. I mean, the economy will grow by itself. You can build the full-scale marketing. You can build the adaptive sales funnel. You can do whatever you want to optimize all that stuff. But like, if it doesn't work like this, in this case, for our side, I don't say that it's worked for everyone, but for our side, it's easy to change my to change our mind and take other idea that, like, you know, the, the phrase called low-hanging fruit. So yeah, the, the yeah. main that we are trying to do is we're trying to to find these low-hanging fruits but to find this you need enormous amount of like different ex- uh, experience oh no sorry not experience like tests that you need to do before uh and the the length of this test and depending only on you so you, you need to build the process of like the like like machine that give like that doing different tests so that's what we are doing actually is venture studio and the, the number actually uh, really different from the normal VC because I worked before with lots of funds or family offices and the, the numbers is just crazy uh, compared to them. So the, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so the, the main point is uh, don't try to lie to yourself. 
that like everybody needs what you're trying to do and uh, it's not bad stuff to say to yourself that maybe i need to change something i need to make a pivot yeah it's it's a good mean even if even if you acquire some investment even somebody push you it's better to say them guys i think that we're doing mistake we'll try this 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 is my plan i'll change that way neither to continue to do something like that doesn't work yeah no uh what you're talking about validating the the minimum viable product as soon as possible i love that and you often hear that but when you tie it to sales, which has been a running theme throughout this conversation, when you can put it straight to the market, straight from the customer, are people even willing to pay for this right away? If not, if, if we, you solve yeah. the problem, yes, yes, yeah, if you right? solve the problem, yeah, it, 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 like. I think you talk a lot with the startups, and uh, I have uh, listened enormous amount of the pitch from them, and uh, like there is, I don't know, eighty five percent of them they're overthinking the market. I mean, they overthink the current level of the market, and the, I don't know if you're uh, trying to sell something to the clients who work only with Excel, and you try to sell him the AI based, uh, full adaptive. <laughs> knowledge-based system that adapt personally for each employee and so the stuff it's just like he don't understand the the language you talk with him and i mean in the beginning you need to self sell him something that he can understand and uh, mainly startups they overthink the current level of the market and uh, that's why it's super difficult to sell but if you solve the real problem of the market the pe- people will find you no matter what it no matter which design of the website you have, and no matter which uh, brand brand name naming and the uh, domain name you have, no matter like we uh, had a fun story with one of my employee, and we we was discussing some project with ecom. Uh, the some it was the client project regarding the retails, and we had discussion. There was the guy who was designer. And he said that we need to rebuild the website. You know that talk always like new designer come and said we need to rebuild everything from the scratch. Yeah, and it was that was uh, the talk like this. And uh, he said we need to rebuild from the scratch this website and this page and uh, all the stuff. And after this, it will work. I said no. I I I, I can give my bet that like we push the page with one button on it. And one picture and one line of the text. And you would do whatever you want. If my page works better on the conversion rate compared to your page when everything like shining, the colors, nice design and so on and so forth, it means that I will take your salary. If my, if, if my like, if your page, I'll double your salary. Yeah. Of course, the guy said no. Like I, 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 I like I don't want to continue this experience. But afterwards, we tried it, and of course, the page with a simple button with a simple offer works better. That's that's the point. So normally, the the digital guys they overthink the the, the level of like how deep in details you need to go. Yeah. Oh man, just another golden nugget of wisdom right there. And honestly, uh, to to start to close things out, one of the first and most relevant questions is 
what's next for you, Danny? Like, where do you want to go? Do you plan to make a, a an exit from the venture fund or is the venture fund where you see the rest of your years as you continue to explore these interesting projects? Uh, we'll already launch a third batch now. Uh, we're in the process of launching it and uh, we'll continue the next five years uh, a different bunch of the, of the projects. So for us, one batch is nearly 100 ideas that enter and like three, four projects that as starting to work as an independent company and we continue to grow them. So it will be around 20 different projects I participate in. And maybe in a few years, we will connect the venture funds with the venture studio to support the project that we have and also to invest in some uh, external project as well. Now we're like uh, stop any investment uh, for external project, just we believe so much in the uh, in the way how we are doing, and uh, the numbers is so good that we would like to focus on that. So yeah, right. next the, the five next years we will launch different batch and we will develop it, and the project will be worldwide. I mean, we're launching now in India, in Europe, in USA, in Latin America, and so. This is amazing. You're going global with this. And honestly, based on what I've heard from our conversation so far, I'd be really excited to see what it is you get to accomplish with this because it sounds like you have the right set of experiences and most importantly, the right attitude. Uh, I will never forget the conversation you just shared with me regarding how often designers or startup founders themselves that you're investing in overthink how much is necessary to actually go to market. Like the strategy doesn't need to be complicated. And I think that's one of the most valuable lessons. But with that said, as we begin to close things out, is there anything you would say to somebody who's considering maybe they're in a job, whether it's a big corporate job or, you know, they've been doing something for a while and they have this opportunity to maybe go into the startup world with all your experiences that you've had so far, is there anything you would say to them to consider as they make that transition? I think it's worth to try. At least it's better to think after you try, like how to close it, neither to think that you didn't try. I mean, just try. I, I think the entrepreneurs, they, they change the world. And uh, no matter what they're doing, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always amazed about the, the, the things that people are doing. And uh, by the way, just try. I mean, uh, especially if you are young and uh, even if you are not young i mean you it's worth to try you you always have a chance to uh, to i don't know to come back to your corporate work and uh, when you will come back to that corporate work you will have twice more experience regarding like the vision of the market and you, you will sell yourself twice better i mean uh, there is a, a big difference between the working inside the company and develop something by yourself because when you're developing something by yourself you see the whole like image of of like of the market and when in when you work inside the company you see the things that is important to you right now that you are focusing in so it's always cool to just to try. I mean, I think everybody in his life need to try at least to to build something by himself. If it doesn't work, that's okay. I mean, uh, you you try. You can talk with your kids afterwards and uh, explain <laughs> that, that that you tried it was the terrible experience, the, the one of the like terrible experience, but one of the best anyway. Yeah, oh, and uh, and also a few ideas, uh, like a few insights from me that. 
don't afraid to share your ideas. Uh, the idea without execution worth nothing. It's just the idea. And uh, the the because I I heard lots of time from the startups that I like to sign the NDA because you will steal my ideas, guys. The time when you speak about the the this uh, like fears. The same time, ten people around the world they launching the same stuff, really the same <laughs> stuff, and the same time. So it's better to talk with everyone regarding your ideas. Don't afraid if they will take it and try to to solve it. Maybe you will hire them. Maybe they will buy you. It's like it will work like this. Just share with everyone and receive as much opinion as you can. This is gold, and it's so true. I can't even argue that, man. So with that said, I want to roll out the red carpet for you. Where do you want the listeners to connect with you? Uh, social media-wise, or do you want them to go to your website? What yeah, do you okay. want them to know? Yeah, it's easy to find me from in the LinkedIn. I have the open profile. And also you can check the website, orbit.vc. And uh, yeah, it's work both sides. Okay, right on. What I can't thank you enough, Daniel, for opening up about your journey and sharing with us and really leaving some cool insights. Uh, there's been some really powerful themes regarding uh, number one, don't overthink it and always test your hypothesis because it's better to have real feedback, immediate feedback to make that decision than to sit in the hypothetical world of the maybes and I don't know, uh, we need a logo, uh, we need this. It sounds like before you even go and file for an LLC, before you even get a website domain, just go and try to sell this. And if it sells, then you have the proof that you need. And I think it's such a great reminder, especially because your journey was from one who started off fixing computers when you didn't know how to fix computers to moving straight up into an opportunity where if money is made, then we can share the profits. And I think I started to see where these connected dots start to hit, right? Because then you go in and start a company and you build up to over 200 employees. Some people never even see more than three, never even see more than 15. But you had even more than that, right? We're talking in the hundreds, which is crazy because that means you scaled up. And then from there, you moved into venture capital and started learning the hard way about what it means to invest in somebody else and managing that. And somewhere along the way between all that, you came face to face with raising money and speaking to banks about it and how you had to affirm in yourself what it means to know when you're on the right side of history and to stand on the power of the truth of what it is you have to offer. And so I think that anyone who's listened to this conversation is going to find a lot of empowering insights and a lot of reaffirmation about why they started this and what they actually need to be a startup founder as opposed to everything else, which, which are cool tricks and tips. But at the end of the day, it's the attitude that's going to change the game for you. And that attitude has to be test it, try it, then make a decision and not the other way around. So thank you for stopping by. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.